0: What's going on, Broncos country? This is your host of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast, Tanner Lee. I'm going to be joined, like I am every week, by my co-host Jeff Ryan here momentarily. We're going to be breaking down the uh, Broncos loss on Sunday to the Chiefs at Arrowhead by a score of 30-23. Jeff was actually fortunate enough, lucky enough uh, to be there in person on Sunday, so it'll be cool to hear uh, straight from him about his experience, the game day culture at Arrowhead, all that stuff. Um, but really wish we were talking about a Broncos win. Um, but it is what it is. We're just got to move forward and get ready for the Texans. So with that, here's a little music from the Mad Fanatic. If you listen to this podcast, uh, you're used to me bringing in my co-host, Jeff Ryan, by now, but I'm going to do it anyways. Jeff, how are you this evening? I'm
1: good, Tanner. Thanks for having me on again. Sorry to have to push the podcast back a, a day or
0: two, but glad to be back on with you. Hey, they would rather us take our time and produce a good podcast than uh, rush <laughs> ourselves. So uh, There you go. But yeah, let's uh, hit on the... Broncos uh yet another disappointing loss 30 to 23 to Kansas City at Arrowhead you were there in person so uh tell us a little bit about it what was the experience like uh what was the coolest thing you saw coolest Bronco jersey etc
1: yeah it was uh it was a great weekend um my sister and her husband live out there now so I got to see them and visit uh Kansas City for the first time in a while. the, the day itself in terms of game day reminded me very much of, uh, 2003 when I was there, which I had mentioned that story, um, on the laptop last podcast, but, um, it reminded me very much of that. You know, beautiful weather, um, about 65, 70 degrees, perfect blue skies, not a cloud in the sky, um, a noon game, uh, much like, like that game in 2003 that I was at. And, um, also like that game, the chiefs had a very good team, um, you know, going into that game at 6-1, and one, you could feel the excitement around the city. Um, you know, all weekend, Kansas City, uh, unlike Denver, is kind of a um, homegrown city. And what I mean by that is, like, a lot of people that live there are from the either Kansas City or surrounding areas. Whereas Denver, there's a lot of, you know, true Broncos fans that grew up in Denver. But there's also a lot of people that live in Denver from all over the country and the world. Um, and so chief's kingdom out there is really, uh, unique in that way that, that everybody loves them, um, in the entire city. And so you kind of feel that right away when you're there, you see, uh, chief's logos on the, on the buildings and, and the lights are lit up, uh, of course in red and, um, all the bars and, and restaurants you go to people are wearing their chief's gear on Friday through, well, really Monday through, uh, that following Sunday. Um, and so it's definitely, um, you know, they, they have a team to be excited about. You could feel that energy right when I got there. Um, game day itself was great. I uh, woke up early and, and got to the tailgate, which if anyone has ever uh, been to, you know, big time college atmosphere for tailgating, this has that very similar feel where people really get into it. And And the parking lot surrounds the stadium by 360 degrees. Um, it also houses the uh, Kansas city Royal stadium, which is pretty cool. And, um, you know, everyone has their, their grill set up by 7 a.m., and people are already drinking, you know. Uh, you know, whether it's coffee and Baileys or, or already beer or whiskey or whatever <laughs> it is, people are drinking early, which is kind of kind kinda But um, it was great, man. The, uh, the people there were actually awesome. Um, you know, as much as we, we hate the, the Chiefs from a fan perspective, uh, the people there were great. They're really welcoming and, you know, you got your typical, um, kind of fan chatter of, you know, saying we're going to beat you guys and kick your ass and all that kind of stuff. But, but, uh, for the most part, everyone was so welcome. Um, you know, it helps when they got a confident team and they know they're playing a Broncos team. That's three and four. I'm sure that gives them a little more confidence, but, uh, the game itself was awesome. Arrowhead was as loud as ever. And, um, you know, of course, I was bummed to see a Broncos loss, but it was it was a competitive game. Uh, beautiful weather, and uh, got to spend it with some good people, so it was a good weekend.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely could have been worse, I would say. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. the snaps you sent me and the pictures, it looked it looked awesome. I was jealous I couldn't be there. That's definitely a stadium I want to get to one of these days.
1: Yeah, you and I will be out there sooner than later. On and got a got a place to stay, which helps.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anytime we don't have to. Uh, Get the wallets out. That uh, that definitely makes it nice. But maybe maybe we should wait till the Broncos uh, have a better record going in next time.
1: Yeah, there's there's no question that uh, <laughs> I I think if we wouldn't have if I wouldn't have gotten the tickets early, there's no, there's no doubt it would have been harder for me to want sure. to see the three and four Broncos team going in there. But you know, I I still I still love watching Broncos football, and I, I was still just as excited as ever. Um, you know, we still have a lot of a lot of great players on the team that unfortunately are just on a overall mediocre, uh, football team, but, uh, it was good to see Vaughn and Demarius his last game as a Bronco and, uh, which we'll get into of course, but, uh, you know, it, it was still, it was still a great time and wouldn't have, wouldn't have changed it for the world. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, glad to hear you, uh, enjoyed it and, uh, had safe travels down there and back. That's always uh, important, of course. Um, before we get into the game itself, did you see any cool uh, Broncos jerseys or even any cool chief jerseys for, uh
1: oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot to address that. That's all right. Um, I did see a couple Philip Lindsay jerseys, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he's already starting to get some buzz as you know, and as the rest of Broncos country knows, um, saw a couple of Steve Atwater jerseys, which I thought was cool. Oh but, yeah. That's you know, fitting. Mm-hmm. Maybe his, you know, most memorable play was against the chiefs. Um, Let's see here. Saw a um, a lot of John Elway's. Um, I was wearing Elway myself and got a lot of flack for that from the Kansas City fans. You know, they, <laughs> John Elway did a, a pretty good number on them sure. uh, back in the day in, in big games. Um, sure. uh, one funny thing that they showed on the Jumbotron, of course, was the flashback to when Elway uh, was in Arrowhead and told the ref that he couldn't hear. <laughs> um, and to try to quiet the crowd down, which is a little embarrassing.
0: That's funny. Honest. That's funny. That's pretty good um, on their kind of, part.
1: Yeah, kind of one of those funny rivalry moments. Uh, um, Kansas City-wise, you saw a lot of Mahomes. I mean, they they are. Oh, yeah. They're, I, mean, they're, yeah, I mean, you know, for, they're crowning him as as the GOAT already.
0: Well, and there. for that and, team, they have so many players you could choose from jersey-wise. Yes. Uh, yes. But besides Vaughn, was there any other active player right now? You saw a lot of their jerseys or not really? Was it more just uh, former players?
1: I saw a few Demarius.
0: Vaughn
1: um, yeah. was easily the biggest, yeah. of course. Um,
0: and that's kind of how it is right now with uh, Bronco yeah. jerseys. I mean, it's either you got a retired player or you probably got Vaughn yeah. Miller um, yeah. most likely. Yeah. But but like you said, Philip Lindsay jerseys are selling pretty fast, and I think we're going to yeah. see Cortland Sutton jerseys uh, start selling pretty fast too.
1: I agree. Um, I did see a couple of Chris Harris, which was cool.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I
1: saw a couple of Chris Harris. So. I, I
0: think more people need his jersey. I mean, uh, for how good he is, I oh, don't yeah. think a lot of people wear it. But, all right, enough uh, enough jersey talk. We've beat around the bush long enough. Let's, uh, let's get into the game itself. Uh, Broncos started off hot, had a 7-3 lead after the first quarter. I thought, really, they got off to about as good a start as you could hope. But and then by halftime, they found found themselves down sixteen fourteen. But they had the momentum going in the half when Case Keenum found a wide open Tim Patrick for his uh, first career touchdown. How were you feeling at halftime?
1: Well, I was I was feeling thrilled to be in the game, um, just down by two points. Um, especially because I think we got the ball back with. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was maybe over a minute, but I, I even thought it was maybe like 54
0: seconds. It was over something. a minute. I think it was like a minute 15, if if my okay. mind serves okay. me correct.
1: Okay, yeah. It's funny how when you're in the stadium, you kind of lose track of oh, sure. mm-hmm. exactly the time and things like that. But um, it was definitely under two minutes, and I was impressed that we were able to put those plays together and get, get back in the ball game. I was also, though, worried because I knew Kansas City was getting the ball at the half, and we had, since the end of the first quarter – had not been able to stop them whatsoever. Um, So I wasn't feeling confident by any means. Um, I was also really frustrated because I think I don't like to harp on, you know, one play throughout a game. Um, But this game had one play to me that really altered uh, the way the rest of the game went, in my opinion. And uh, it was third and two in the second quarter. Um, We were up seven to three. We were moving the ball we had two huge penalties before this play um, that set us back because we had completed a pass to Emmanuel Sanders down the right sideline. That would have set us up around the, I want to say like 35 yard line. Um, And it was called back because of offsetting penalties. And then there was a hold on bulls, um, (laughs) which, which we'll get into. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: But the play that I'm referring to is third and two. We've been running the ball great all day. And then, uh, decided to get fancy, Musgrave did, and called an end-around to Emmanuel Sanders, which went backwards for five yards, setting up a long uh, Brandon McManus field goal, which every Bronco fan in the stadium kind of saw coming. That the you know the crowd was really into it. He hadn't missed a field goal all year, and he pushes it right. Uh, so that that right there, to me, was the biggest uh, momentum changer in the game because up to that point, we had total control. I mean, we looked. Like, we were flustering Mahomes. We had gotten him outside the pocket. He was uh, throwing the ball away. Um, we could have taken a 10-3 lead. Instead, they get the ball, drive down, make it 10-7. Um, and, uh, of course, scored again, missed extra point. And long story short, I was glad that we made a 16-14. But in my opinion, that, that series there um, with the third and two play was the biggest uh, momentum turner in the game.
0: Yeah, going back to that that play in particular, I, I didn't agree with the call at all. But watching on replay, if Matt Lacoste makes any sort of effort to hold off his guy, Emmanuel gets the first down. Matt Lacoste yeah. did such a bad job on the edge of blocking there; it was embarrassing, to be honest. And but
1: it goes to show this team's execution is lacking. At and times he's, in he's not a blocking example. tight
0: end; he's a receiving yeah. tight end. So yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this team, the margin of error is so slim for this team and we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot i mean yeah we had so many holding penalties and most of the time it was after philip or somebody else ripped off a 20 yard run that was the frustrating part i think philip had three runs come back for a total of 65 yards wow Um,
1: that's that's just oh that kills you oh we're
0: all pace for like 36 holding calls this year which would be the most in league in years in years uh
1: it says a lot, doesn't it? It does.
0: It really does. Um, and I, I just don't get it. I don't. You I know, I think a lot of it's coaching, but some of it falls on the players too. I mean, when you uh-huh. got players consistently making the same mistakes every week, it's like, how can we get this drilled into their head? Um, yes. I even heard an interesting thing today on the radio. It's probably not going to happen, but they think Valdear might play this week. Be back, which would be huge. They said, uh-huh. why, why not put Valdear at left tackle and try get Garrett Bowles at right tackle?
1: Yeah, it's like, why not? I mean, why, why, why not know, try something?
0: But I have a feeling if we do play ourselves out of the playoffs, which I'm trying not to be negative, but it looks like we're going to sooner than later, that the rest of the year after that is Garrett Bowles' ch- final chance to prove that he can do something. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. So,
1: No, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, I, I,
0: I thought the offensive line struggled big time. On Sunday, I mean, Keenum uh, was getting pressured all day. Uh, I thought he played so-so. He went 23 for 34 for 262 yards, two touchdowns, Mm -hmm. and an interception on like a 10-yard flea flicker, which Mm -hmm. if that was the the design route to go to, that was a head scratcher. (laughs) Uh, I mean, great play by the Kansas City defender, but if if I could sum up the Broncos' season so far in two plays from that game, it was the interception on a 10-yard flea flicker and Kareem Hunt just uh leaping over um will parks yeah Yeah, those two plays kind of just kind of put the Broncos' season so far in a nutshell
1: (laughs) yeah no those both were kind of um just punches to the gut um and i i completely agree it describes us perfectly It, it shows you a team that um is undisciplined and uh can be talented and, and creative at times and then just fall apart in the next second. <laughs> so
0: we did have four guys I thought play really well on offense. Uh, Philip Lindsay had 18 carries for 95 yards, one touchdown. He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. And like I mentioned a few uh, minutes ago, he had a lot of yardage called back due to penalties. So I thought he played really well. I thought Devontae Booker, a guy I've been really hard on, I thought he played really well. Nine carries for 78 yards, average 8.7 per carry. So uh, I thought he played really well. Cortland Sutton had three catches for 78 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had four for 57 yards. And I'll give Tim Patrick another shout-out. He only had one catch for 24 yards, but it was a touchdown. He also had one rushing attempt for 13 yards. So I think he's uh, proven to be a – proving that he can be a big part of this offense and going forward with uh the loss of the marius thomas he's gonna to have to be a bigger part of this offense yeah
1: he is and uh, he's shown when he's got playing time that he can be reliable and um you know that's what this that's what this team needs right now but i don't know it's also kind of a sign that you know i and i don't want to dog on tim patrick too much because i don't know a lot about him um but we're three and five for a, a big reason and When you're starting to highlight guys named Tim Patrick, I mean that does that say a lot?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. uh, But all of a sudden, he's the number three wide receiver on this team, maybe number four uh, when Deshaun Hamilton's healthy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. And uh, what do you think of Case Keenum's play being there live?
1: Incredibly mediocre. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: That's just that's just what he is. Yeah, it just doesn't look like he's got a lot of velocity on the ball at times. I, I think that flea flicker was a prime example. Um, I think he was throwing into the wind at that point, so I don't I don't want to totally discredit the play. But, I mean, first of all, like you said, the route is head-scratching. Um, so, besides that, yeah, I, I thought his velocity on the ball was poor. I, I thought just overall he can make a throw every now and then. But can't most NFL quarterbacks, you know? I mean, I think he... He shows at times he he can make a play when he needs to. and other times, he looks bottom of the bottom of the wrong uh, quarterback. Um, even the throw to Emmanuel down the sideline uh, was a little bit underthrown. As was the pass to Tim Patrick. I mean, the guy's wide open, and I and I had to get scared for a second because he throws it too late. I mean, I he's like missing guys um, late. He's not picking up the routes on time. I I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not thrilled. Well, uh, it seems he's not 18 million
0: dollar quarterback. No, and and you know I'm an armchair quarterback critic. I've never played a yeah. down of organized football in my life, let alone at quarterback. Just flag football, yeah. and uh, but he his miss is the underthrow. The only throw I can that stands out as an overthrow miss this year was that one in week four against Kansas City at home to the <laughs> uh, yeah. He 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 his miss is the underthrow. He does, he just yeah, doesn't put enough juice strength. on it.
1: You don't see Mahomes doing that. His miss is no. the overthrow, which you saw in an interception to uh, Justin Simmons. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, and, 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 but, you know, I thought Mahomes played very average until I looked at the statistics. He mm-hmm. was 24 for 34 for 303, four touchdowns, one one interception. I know. Still pretty know. good game. And, and we did yeah. sack him. We had one and a half sacks on him. Uh, Bradley Chubb yeah. and Von Miller got a half sack each. And then um, – uh, one of our reserve defensive backs, uh, Demonte Thomas, got him on a uh, yeah. on a safety blitz.
1: Yeah, so. that was a really nice sack late in the game when we needed to play. Um, there, I'm telling you, there was times from my perspective watching the football game in the stadium, I felt like we actually contained Mahomes really well, like you th- Like you thought. Um, now his stats say otherwise, but I think a large part of that is because their offense is so interesting and it's so efficient that a lot of their yards are after the catch. Uh, so it didn't feel like he was airing the ball out a ton or anything like that. You know, I mean, it felt kind of like a Patriots style offense where a lot, a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of, you know, five to 10 yard, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't, fade routes mm-hmm. and, and uh, cut route. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Sorry. but uh,
0: It was just a uh, lot of a lot flat of, routes, a lot of hidden yeah. uh Oh, uh, he he hit cream um, out of the backfield five times, yeah. Uh, but but they did have some big plays. I mean, I'm looking at their stats. Sammy Watkins had eight catches for 100 107 yards, two touchdowns. Travis they Kelsey did. had yeah. six catches, 79 yards, touchdown. Um, yeah. uh, Tyreek Hill had three catches for 70 yards. So they did yeah. hit some hit some big ones, but they did they didn't really spread the ball around a ton. They just went to their same guys, and we just couldn't stop them.
1: No. No, we they're they're so much faster. I mean they are so much faster than our offense. It's unbelievable. Well,
0: um Well and and going back to our offensive line, uh, you know, struggling, I didn't realize this till right now. D Ford had three sacks himself.
1: Yeah. And uh I don't know if that was on the left side with Bowles or what, but
0: Well, you know, they were without Justin Houston who was a late scratch before the game, so I was feeling pretty mm-hmm. good about that, but they got yeah. the, they got the case five times. So um, it
1: it's, it says a lot because it it shows that this offensive line is built maybe for run blocking, but oh, not yeah. pass blocking, and yeah. you got to have both. I mean, you, you can't
0: be one oh. or the other. You know, you know, it's it's made for run blocking, but yet, and I've stressed this. I stressed this pregame before the game Sunday. I know Kev Dan and uh, David stressed this last night on the. Beers, Broncos, and no BS Facebook show. I'm just gonna uh-huh. keep stressing it because I just can't get over it. The Broncos right now are averaging 5.5 yards per carry, which leads the league and uh, is the top in franchise history. History. Wow. Wow. But yet we're towards the bottom in rushing attempts. <laughs> Th- that there. What more evidence uh, do we need than that right there?
1: Nah. Yeah that's fireable in yeah. my opinion yeah. um, in terms of in musgrave especially
0: i mean there's some things he does that i like other things just have me scratching my head that that goes for the whole coaching staff it um, does i think does. joe woods has got his defense a little more under control the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks but it seems like musgrave's offense is taking uh, jeff i not i mean besides Carl game i don't have confidence that this team can score 30 points
1: no, no i really I, don't, I don't. I don't either. I mean, look at the team we we scored more than thirty points against. They're one and seven. They're trash.
0: They're and, the and worst team in the NFL. Viral. Yeah, or one of them.
1: Yeah. So, uh, no, I have no confidence in it either. I mean, you get the ball back. Not not to jump ahead here too much, but you get the ball back when when we're down thirty to twenty after a huge interception from Justin Simmons, and you're thinking, great, we got a whole quarter. If mm-hmm. we can even score a mm-hmm. field goal here. Yep. within three minutes we're in this football game yep. and case throws that pick i mean <laughs>
0: the flea flicker <laughs> those, yeah
1: that's the kind of stuff that's been going on all season because this offense is just so so bad at times yep oh.
0: yep it, it's just there's it's no consistency cool. no. there's just none none in the coaching and, and I'm, staff. I'm really
1: of the belief that you know i know we've talked about how we don't want Lindsay getting hurt by touching the ball more but that guy needs the ball in his
0: hands. no you're right he, he's dynamic and uh um, I haven't read or heard anything about Royce Freeman this week. It'd be nice to get him back too. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, Phil Lindsay's special. He really is. He's he's a, he good, he's a good football player. Um, yeah, and he's so versatile. Um, yeah, and I thought he played good. Um, but uh, any any other thoughts on the game itself before we move on to this next topic?
1: Um, I think it. Uh, I think it showed exactly what both teams were. I think it showed that we're a three and five football team, um, that, you know, could finish with six or seven wins. If we play decent enough, (laughs) um, it also showed at times that we could not win a game the way we play at times. Um, but I, but I think our record is very indicative of the kind of team we are. I think we're a subpar mediocre football team with a journeyman quarterback and a coaching staff that looks lost at times. Um, but, but can be competitive at at times as well. I mean, it's not like we got blown out against arguably the best team in the league. I think we played pretty dang hard. I mean, we're, you know, we're, um, we're making this sound like this is an awful game, but really when you think about it, both games against the chiefs were pretty good football games. I mean, we were in the game, um, both games. And so it doesn't matter. I mean, that does you know, there's no moral victories in the NFL, but, um, it's frustrating to know that we've been close at times, and yet so far away at other times. And it's kind of the, the story of this team. And as for the Chiefs, it shows that they are a seven and one football team. They're very disciplined. Um, it never felt like they were worried about losing that football game. Um, and they're going to be tough for the rest of the year. So,
0: no, you hit the nail on the head. I think this team's they've proven twice against Kansas City and once against uh, the L.A. Rams that. They're good enough just to get beat. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, they're good enough to hang in there, but I don't yeah. know. This game to me on Sunday had a feeling just like the Rams game, which we kept it close, but I just never felt confident enough that we were going to get the lead or win. I just, I never I f- felt that way, unfortunately. So, no. uh, but yeah, you mentioned it earlier when you're talking about your experience at Arrowhead. It was Demarius Thomas's. Uh, last game in a Broncos uniform. We talked about that last week. We both were under the the impression while there was a lot of interest coming in for him, we thought he'd probably finish the year as a Bronco and then be let go after the season. But we got a a fourth-round pick offer from the Texans, and we swapped seventh-round picks. So now he's going to be playing in Mile High on Sunday, but he's going to be in the visitor locker room. Pretty so interesting. Bizarre. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, at least in the NFL.
1: Yeah. No, not in the NFL. You see that every now and then in baseball, just because it's such a long season that managers and owners don't really care about that kind of stuff. Um in, in terms of like trading a guy to a team that you're gonna play the next day. Um but I don't I can't name any player that has been traded and will start against their former team the very next week at home. I mean that's it's so weird. Um, and you you can't make You know, you can't make front-office decisions based off of the next team you're going to play. Uh, But it's still kind of head-scratching. I mean, I will not be surprised at all if Demarius has a great day.
0: Well, yeah, he'll probably just run some simple routes like goes, curls, slants, because he's not going to know the playbook. But Mm -hmm. look who's probably going to be guarding him. It's probably going to be number 29 Bradley Roby.
1: Which is (laughs) kind of scary.
0: Very scary. Kind of scary. Uh, I know Chris hey, Harris and, said today and, that if he guarded him, he'll shut him down because he's good. And <laughs> you know, um, but but uh, um, go ahead. What were you gonna say?
1: Oh no, sorry. I, I was the only thing I was gonna add to that was you know with uh, with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback, I think it's the perfect quarterback for Demarius because he can scramble and oh, yeah. and, and turn plays into build oh, yeah. the longer. Uh, plays for Demaryius to get open, um, whereas Case has no ability to do that whatsoever. And Demaryius um, Thomas
0: becomes a number two wide receiver for the first time in his career since probably his rookie year, or yeah. his second year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's you know, what, what's your what is your overall opinion of the value that we got and of the timing? And do you were were you overall pleased with the trade?
0: It had to happen. Um yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sad to see him go. In my I mean, he's he's been one of those staple guys. You know, like listeners might know if they follow the show. I've only been a Bronco fan since uh, 2009, so Demarius has been there as long as I have been a Bronco fan, and he's the best Bronco wide receiver I've seen. Now, of course, I'm I'm caught up on my Broncos history, everybody. But so I think he's arguably number two behind Rod Smith in terms of uh, wide receivers that uh, rank in the franchise history. Um, so he's definitely arena famer. Joe Ellis already, um, came out and said that. So, which was cool yesterday. Um, okay. but, cool. uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget some of the highlights he had, especially the, uh, wild card, uh, catch and run in <laughs> overtime from Tim Tebow against Pittsburgh. I don't think any yep. Bronco fans ever going to forget that one of the best moments in uh mile high history. Um, yeah. but I think the timing of it, it had to be done. Um, I was a little disappointed in the value at first when I heard we only got a fourth-round pick and swapped sevens until I heard what was coming in. Um, according to, I believe it was Cecil Lammy, a lot of teams were only offering a sixth-round pick. So wow. this fourth-round pick is by far the best offer we got. Um, wow. I do know the Patriots were interested. So were the Philadelphia Eagles who actually went out and got golden tape for a third-round pick um, just a little bit later after the Marys was traded. So, uh, so I when he put it in those circumstances, I can't really complain about fourth round pick. It's definitely time for everybody else to step up. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders has got to be a number one wide receiver for the first time in his career. Cortland Sutton's now the main guy. I mean, I think his play, anyways, and the promise he showed was another reason why John was ready to pull the trigger. Um, saves the Broncos a lot of money because the Marius was going to be owed a bunch of money next year. Um, they're, they're building money to make moves in the future. Um, Yes. While it might hurt this team now, it's going to help them in the long run. And I want to go back to a comment John Elway made yesterday, shortly after they traded um, the Marius Thomas. I thought it was interesting. He said he was happy for DT, went over all his accolades, and said now he gets to go to a team that's in the pennant race, which, for one, I thought was weird to call it a pennant race because usually that's a baseball (laughs) reference. But two, a lot of people didn't catch on to this. I did right when he said it. My eyebrows kind of raised. So he's admitting that while the Texans are in the race, the Broncos are not, he's pretty much admitting that without flat out saying it. I thought that was kind of genius on his part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I completely agree. I got the same, I got the same feeling of, all right, well, I guess we're throwing in the towel and you know, I've never said this, um, since Peyton and I've never wanted to admit it until now. Um, but, unfortunately, the Denver Broncos are in rebuild mode. Uh, we are. We, we're a rebuilding organization. Um, we're not a win-now team anymore. And, um, you know, we wanted to believe that maybe Case could be that Jake Plummer miracle and get us 13 wins. It's never going to happen. Um, we're trading away a longtime cornerstone on offense. Uh, the defense has been totally rebuilt Uh for the most part, uh, since Super Bowl 50. Uh, we've lost some very key pieces. You know, Vaughn's not going to be in his prime forever. I mean, he's still great and should should give us a few more good years. But, I mean, we got to look at this the way it is. The Broncos are rebuilding, and um, I don't know. It's just hard for me to admit that because I've never seen this team in my lifetime go through this, literally. I've never – I mean, even after – even after Elway, we, we bounced out of, uh, the Brian Greasy era so quickly. Um, it's, uh, it's just hard to see, but at the same time, and we've been very fortunate you and I to watch some great games, especially with DT, like that Pittsburgh game you said, and, um, you know, hopefully the organization can get their feet under them and, and get back to winning football, but I'm ready to say that they're fully in rebuild mode.
0: Yeah, I well, look, we're starting to see a youth movement a little bit. I mean, on offense, all of a sudden, without DT, you got Emmanuel as the one wide receiver, but he's only on contract through next year. He's in his 30s. But then you got yep. a young guy in Cortland Sutton. Uh, you got a young guy in Deshaun Hamilton. You got a young guy in Tim Patrick. Not sure what his future is going to be with the Broncos, but um, he's, he's right now arguably the number three or four wide receiver, so I'm putting him in there. Your tight yep. ends are all pretty young, your running backs are all young. Um yeah, so on offense, you're pretty young all of a sudden. Defense you still have yeah. a mix, but even defense I think we're slowly going to see that transition here. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a yeah. gen- generational transition we're seeing and yeah. Unfortunately, it needs to be done, but it's going to be at a cost of taking some more lumps along the way. Yeah. Um um uh, what and you know it's it's a weird situation right now with the franchise because this whole uh, the Bolin family trying uh-huh. to do a lawsuit and everything. I mean, a lot of questions up in the air right now about the Broncos' future. Um, uh-huh. So it, it's a it's a it's a weird time. I mean, it's always always proud and happy to be a Broncos fan. Wouldn't want to like any other oh, yeah. professional football team, but it's a it's a it's a yeah. weird time to be a Broncos fan right now. Um,
1: it is. Um,
0: we just got to remember better days are ahead, but they yes. might take a little longer than we want to get here.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And, you know, one reassurance for Broncos country out there is, you know, this is one of the worst stretches of Broncos football in terms of these last two seasons that we've seen in a long time. Um, But the fan support on Sunday was astounding. I mean, there was a ton of blue and orange everywhere from the tailgating lot to inside the stadium. And uh, there was pretty loud Broncos cheers even in that first quarter when things were proud organization i wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team um i still say that proudly and even you know to be a patriots fan but i still wouldn't wouldn't want to be any uh, fan of any other team and uh i hope they figure it out um you said it perfectly it's a weird time the organization from top to bottom is just kind of seems like it's in flux but hopefully they get themselves grounded and uh yeah, better times are ahead.
0: Well, and really, Bronco fans throughout the history of the franchise have been pretty lucky and pretty spoiled. Um, if the yes. Broncos do end the yes. season with a losing record, it's the first time since 1972 that they've had back-to-back wow. losing seasons. So that's uh, wow. that's a long time. I mean, think about it all is. the other franchises who have had back-to-back losing seasons in that time span.
1: Every single it one is. of them. It, yep, yep. Even even the New England Patriots before their, their – uh, Great run here since 2001. Uh, we're a bad football team for many years. Absolutely, in the 80s they were. And early 90s.
0: So. Absolutely, they were.
1: Everyone goes through it. Everybody and, does. Uh, hopefully, we get out of it.
0: It's just not fun to go through it, but uh, I still have trust in L.A., even though, wow, you Google his name or on social media or something, you see a lot of fans uh, blaming him, which he does deserve a good amount of the blame. But, yeah. um, uh, real quick before I let you go, uh, a few moves, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but one move I want to see John in the front office make before the season comes to an end, the regular season, uh, get Matt paired as a contract extension. Get him done now.
1: Yes, yes. He's he's the biggest part of that line Yeah, and the most reliable. Absolutely.
0: He's uh most underrated center in the league, in my opinion, and uh, a lot of people outside of Broncos country don't even know who he is. But he is a stud, and they need to get him locked up. And I think moving Demarius was a step closer to doing that, um, freeing yeah. up some money. So, so, so yeah. But, but besides that, I think all the other questions going forward, we're just going to have to wait till the offseason and then in, in the draft.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions going forward. Were you, I mean, to wrap this up here, but um, were you surprised at all that uh, no defensive players were traded, especially Brandon Marshall. I thought if any Ray. of
0: them, Brandon Marshall was um, yeah. going. I didn't I didn't even think about Shane Ray, to be honest. I kind of yeah. forget about Shane Ray, unfortunately. He's yeah. hurt a lot, and I just yeah. already, in my mind, he's already gone because I don't think he'll be a Bronco yeah. next year. Uh, yeah. But even yeah. Brandon, you know, he played Sunday, but Josie Jewell played, I think, uh, just by eyeballing it, I think he played mm-hmm. more snaps than Brandon did.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can tell he's going to be the guy to take over that position. So maybe there was just no value for him. Maybe yep. teams were offering sixth, seventh-round picks again, and that's what's the point of doing that, yep. I mean, honestly? Yep, And but I was Some glad ways.
0: Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel didn't get um, yes. sent anywhere because so, yes. they're going to have to be the leaders of the team now. And that's another thing. Losing the Marius, he did lose a leader. Um, just look at the yeah. all the outpouring support of the Bronco players and uh, everybody that yeah. tweeted – how much they're gonna miss him and stuff. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of guys were pretty hurt uh, today and yeah. yesterday about him leaving, especially his buddy Emmanuel.
1: Rightfully so. I mean, he was there for a long time. Um,
0: he was the, the longest Houston tenured. Team. He was the longest tenured Bronco. And I was trying to think of, to myself who would be next. Uh, I think it's Vaughn. Wow.
1: I think you're right. Is it yeah.
0: Vaughn or Chris Harris? But I think no, they were both on the team, so they might.
1: Because. Because Demarius was drafted in 10
0: correct? 10 Yvonne was drafted Yvonne in 11 was 11 so and I, I yeah. know Harris was on that 11 team
1: wow as a, yeah as so a drafted, I think I think it's those yeah, two I wow
0: I believe I could be well, mistaken but
1: I wish him well I think he's uh, in a good situation with will fuller going down there and, yep uh, a five and three team that could easily win their
0: division so I could I could see them reconstructing uh, his contract down there in Houston and uh, them having a three-headed monster with him, Fuller, and Hopkins next year. Uh, that be pretty impressive. I mean, I mean, that that's what's scary. We're not only playing the Texan team. We're playing a Texan team who's won five straight games, <laughs> and they have a mean pass rush with J.J. Watt, uh, uh, D- yeah. J. V- or Clowney, and uh, Merciless. So, uh, what's
1: crazy is, I mean, I know this team has no feel of a competitive team really at this point, but a lot of three-and-five teams don't throw in the towel. I mean, I remember when the Chiefs were one and five and finished the season ten and six, um, and you can just tell the feel of this whole organization is that it's over.
0: Well, you do so, want to you want to know a weird. stat I threw in there uh, pregame on Sunday. Hmm. I heard this before Sunday's game. Teams that start off the season four and four since the NFL went to the two wild card playoff format. Teams yeah. that start off season four and four make the playoffs twenty nine have made the playoffs twenty nine percent of the time. Teams wow. that have started off three and five. 7.5 percent of the time <laughs> uh and we're yeah. now in the 7.5 percent so yeah. it's pretty Not unbelievable good. what uh, uh the one game difference can do yeah. so yeah. uh anything else to wrap up this week
1: no hopefully uh better conversation after the texans game next week
0: yep uh yep <laughs> and, and all that uh Jared and Matt handle the X's and O's with the pregame podcast and let everybody know what to look for. But, uh, Jeff, really right. appreciate you jumping on again this week. Um, glad you had a good time in Kansas city, despite the loss. And, uh, we'll talk again next week, hopefully after a Broncos win over the Texans.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Tanner. Go Broncos.
0: Go Broncos. And that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of the orange weekly postgame podcast. What's going to apologize. It was a little later this week, but you know, sometimes, uh, Life just gets in the way, so I appreciate Jeff being able to hop on tonight like he did. And we appreciate everybody listening to this. You know, um, uh, all of us here at Orange Weekly appreciate you listening to our podcast, watching all of our shows. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to uh, Broncos coverage, so we appreciate you uh, listening to our content, watching our content, and giving us a chance. Um, and our weekly content's usually scheduled out like this. On Mondays, uh, Jason usually does the Orange Weekly After Dark show, which is a Facebook live show. He takes your comments, your questions, talks about, about anything you guys want to talk about. Then on Tuesday at 9 uh, p.m. Um, Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central Time, and of course 7 p.m. Mountain Time, we do the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show. That's a Facebook live show hosted by Kev Dan, and he's usually joined by David or Ray or another member of the Orange Weekly staff. Uh, That's the show. We take your questions, your comments, whatever you want to talk about is what we talk about. Uh, So uh, if you've never watched one of those shows, go check it out. Get interacted. uh, Get involved. It's really fun. Then on Wednesdays, uh, myself along with Kev Dan, we are on a platform called Get Vocal. We also stream it on Facebook, but unlike the Tuesday show, on our Wednesday show, The Good, The Bad Bad, and The Ugly, which we break down what we thought was good, what was bad, and what was ugly from the Broncos' previous game, we only take questions that are from the Get Vocal platform, which you can get on there, type in a message, or if you want to chat with us face to face, it's kind of like a radio call in show, but we can see you, you can see us via webcam, camera, phone, whatever you're using. So, um, and, and that's free. You can either go to the website, getvocal.com, or download the Give Vocal app on your phone. That's at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. Then towards the end of the week, always look out for the pregame podcast, which is hosted by Jared and Matt. They do an excellent job of diving in and uh, letting you know what to look for and what to get ready for for the Broncos' upcoming matchup. They really get involved in the X's and O's. Two great football minds there. Really good stuff. And then uh, something new we uh, just put in last week, uh, Kev Dan and myself, except um, this upcoming week is going to be Kev Dan and either Ray or somebody else from the uh, Orange Weekly staff. Uh, tailgate talk. About an hour and a half before the kickoff, we get on Get Vocal and uh, we really break down what we're looking for, uh, keys to the games, going into the game, what we're going to be watching, things like that. Uh, we want to hear from you, what you're excited about uh, heading into the Texan game. So look for that hour and a half before kickoff on Get Vocal this Sunday. And then at halftime of the games on Sunday, you can always look for the halftime hash on Facebook. Either Kev, Dan, or Ray usually host that. Um, they talk about what they liked or didn't like during the first half of the Broncos game. And they want to hear the same from you, what you liked, what you didn't like. So what I'm saying is we got plenty of content for you, almost Every day or night during the week. So if you haven't already, go check out the Facebook page of Orange Weekly. Give us a like there. Follow us on Twitter at Orange Weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Orange Weekly, and check out our content. So uh, with that said, I'm going to leave you with a little more music from the Mad Fanatic to get you pumped up for Sunday's big game against the Texans. Let's try to get a win heading to the bye. Go Broncos!